series on having the good life now. We just have a couple of these left as we have been digging through the Proverbs and trying to learn Solomon's wisdom for daily life. And we have looked at uh, the past few weeks' relationships. We talked to parents about training the child, pointing them in the right direction, in the way that they ought to go, and that awesome responsibility uh, that we have as parents and trying to point them in the right direction. We talked to children about obedience, listening to their parents, listening to their advice, listening to their great wisdom that they have, and do the things that they ask of you to do. We talked to wives and women about how to be the excellent wife, the excellent woman, in their activities around the home and that they have a control in building up the house. And that is a foolish woman that tears it down. And that they set the tone for the home and not to be a contentious woman as we see Solomon describing. And last week we talked to the men. We talked to the husbands about how to be godly men. And their important role and responsibility of giving the woman honor and treating them with respect as as we see uh, Solomon describing as a great treasure. And not someone that we tell them what to do, but we say we're going to honor them and and hold them in high regard. And so these these great relationships that that Solomon has described, uh, we really need to be mindful of on a daily basis. And as a difficulty, many times we forget Uh, God's awesome responsibilities and requirements on each of us to act properly as parents and children, husbands and wives, fathers and daughters, and all of our different hats that we wear, that God has described for us the way that we ought to live. Today, we're going to talk about something that affects every single relationship that we have, that Solomon spends a lot of time talking about the tongue and how powerful the tongue is. And it is not only in the New Testament, as uh, tonight's lesson we're going to get to know the Bible of the book of James, and James spends some time talking about the tongue, but we see Solomon sitting down his son and explaining to him what happens with the tongue and how you use your words and the things that you say make an immense impact upon not only your own life, but the lives of everybody around us. And it's interesting that with our tongues, we often uh, really are very lackadaisical and flippant about the things that we say. You know, it's, I think of it all the time. It's like, well, I shouldn't have said that, you know. And, and we, we do that later on, but we never think about that before the fact. We often just are very relaxed about the things that we say and only pay the consequences later and realize, well, that wasn't really uh, the best thing that should have come out of my mouth. And so we're going to talk about then what we can do to do better and mean godly with our tongues. The first thing I want to talk about is our two typical misuses. There probably are a myriad of misuses for the tongue, but but Solomon in the Proverbs identifies two. And so that's what we will look at. The first that he begins with is lying. Proverbs chapter 12 and in verse 22, he says that lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. And I would imagine that everybody in this room is aware of that. That we understand that there is not an excuse for lying. That we we kind of build various, I would say, conditions sometimes online. That it's okay to lie if my wife asks me if this looks good, you know, or something like that. And you get a pass on that, and you don't have to speak the truth on those things. But it's from sillier things and low-level things to 
to really important things on the job in regards to uh, our boss and how we are dealing with them or our co-workers. And we just have to remember lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. Notice the connection, though, the rest of this proverb. You notice I've got a nice little black hole in there because the second clause makes this first clause even more interesting. Those who act faithfully are his delight. I don't know that I've thought of lying lips in that in those terms. We often think of lying lips of, of being a liar in terms of outright overt deceit. It is my intention to deceive you, therefore I am not going to tell you the truth. I'm going to tell you something that is false. So that's, I think, our standard definition of lying in our minds. And so we often can stand back, well, I don't lie. I don't ever say something with the intent to deceive. But notice how that's contrasted. Those who act faithfully are his delight. What Solomon is telling his son is when you say something, you better do it. And notice how he draws the lips to the actions. If you are going to declare that you are going to do something, he says, those who act faithfully, those who follow through with what their lips actually say, those are the people who are God's delight. And I don't know that we've thought of lying lips always in those terms, that we do what we say. And if it comes out of our mouth, then it's going to be a yes, then that's the yes. And if it's the no, then that's the no. And that's the way it's going to be. That we are trustworthy in the things that we say. That we would be able to, to say to one another, because brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so said this, I know that's going to be the case. It's a guarantee. They've said it and they act faithfully upon their words. And that is what Solomon wants his son to see here. It's very easy to say things. It's a lot more difficult to follow through on them. And he certainly can point this out in the spiritual arena especially. It is very easy to say, I am a Christian. It is very easy within our minds and in our hearts to say, I believe in God. And I, I think there is a creator. But only those who act faithfully to the things that they say are pleasing to God. It is not good enough to think that we're Christians. It's not good enough to walk around saying, I'm a good moral person, I'm not overtly lying to people and I'm not overtly stealing and I'm not killing people like we see on TV or anything like that. I'm not doing these horrible things. But it's a different thing when you step back and say, when I say something, I'm trustworthy to it. I'm going to follow through on it. That God wants me to uphold my word. And he says there that those who do not act faithfully have lying lips. And are not a delight to God. And so we need to see that in a spiritual aspect. And then see how that flows through into daily living. And, and that can be difficult. You, you tell somebody on the job you're going to do something. You ought to do it. You tell your spouse you're going to do something. You need to do it. Tell your friends this is what you're going to do. You need to do it. Otherwise are we not liars? We didn't do what we said we were going to do. And that's what imagine Solomon explaining this to his son. Realize it's not just enough to avoid deceitful false words. It's about being a person of integrity. That when you say something, it's absolutely going to happen. Notice another proverb very similar to this. He who conceals his hatred 
has lying lips, and whoever spreads slander is a fool. I don't know that I thought about lying lips as this definition either. This is interesting. He who conceals his hatred has lying lips. Hmm. (laughs) What this goes to is honesty again. In particular, this is honesty in regards to the relationships that we have, especially with friends. You do not cover up your hatred for somebody face to face. What they're saying is, you go up to them and, oh, we're just good friends. Hi, how you doing? And that person thinks you're the, you're the, you're the, the best in relationship. You got, you're, you're good friends. And then what do you do? You go to another person and you say, man... I am so sick of that guy. Man, I cannot stand him. And he calls me all the time. He thinks we're friends. I just, he, he's driving me crazy. You see the slander going with that? That's the picture of this proverb. To the person you're saying this, you, you act like everything's great. You're concealing the hatred. Oh, we're, we're great friends. We're, we're best of buds. Everything is wonderful. We'll talk for hours. And then what do you say to everybody else about that person? You slander them. Can't stand it. Oh, I can't. Yeah, you need to go through all these things. Notice he defines that as lying lips. <laughs> we are lying to that person, making them believe that we care about them, making them believe that we have this relationship that within your heart you do not. And that happens a lot in the world, doesn't it? Now, I'm sure every single one of us could raise our hands and say, somebody's done that to us, acted like they're a friend, and you turn around and find out they're saying this, all these things to everybody else. And we could probably all raise our hands and say we've done the exact same thing. And so, interesting warning about lying. Uh, It's not just simply, I'm going to tell you that the sky is pink. But I'm going to realize that lying lips is about honesty, integrity, trustworthiness. That when I'm speaking to you, I am being upfront and honest. And there's no reason to believe I'm being deceitful that you would question me and think, well, he has some other motives. Or that he's really not saying these things. He, he actually slanders me to other people. It is a person who is completely upfront and honest. That's what is pleasing to God. And so we need to watch our tongue in regards to that to make sure that we are very clear about what we say to people and that we are not deceptive uh, in our words, especially in our relationships. The second misuse of the tongue that Solomon spends time with is something he calls whisperings. And uh, more than some of the modern versions use gossip, and that's probably appropriate, although whisperings captures more of what typically happens in the gossip of how it is transmitted. It's transmitted very quietly so that nobody else knows. And so I like the whisperings. Proverbs 16.28 A perverse man sows strife and a whisperer separates the best of friends. What Solomon wants his son to see is the effects of being a whisperer. Notice we have the perverse man is the same. This is a comparison to the gossip. The gossip, the whisperer, is perverse. And the outcome is the same. Strife, separating friends. Problem, conflict, difficulties. And what's interesting to see is that with our tongue, with just a few words, we can absolutely shatter relationships. 
destroy friendships, destroy marriages, destroy acquaintances. You can destroy every relationship that we just mentioned at the beginning of this lesson. You can completely wipe it out with whisperings. Separates the best of friends. Even the longest friendships will not survive that kind of thing going on in it. Whisperings to other people about things that are confidential is typically what it is. You have opened your heart. You've had this trust with another person. And what happens is that information somehow gets to another. And there's whisperings going on. And that's the end of the relationship. There's no longer a trust. Notice another proverb. Fire goes out without wood. And quarrels disappear when gossip stops. Now that's a very useful image right there. You can't have a fire without the wood. Pull the wood out, there'll be no fire. You pull the whisperings out of our relationships, there'll be a lot less problems. That's what he just said right there. Keep your mouth quiet. Don't say things we ought not say. And notice what he tells us here. The problems, the fights are going to disappear. We'll have better relationships with people. You know, we can step back and say, you know, if we've got a lot of problems with other people, with the problems with our friends or acquaintances and co-workers, step back and look at this. Is this what's going on? And this might be the reason why there's all the quarrels. It's because there's a whole lot of gossiping going on. Very dangerous. A gossip betrays a confidence. So avoid a man who talks too much. <laughs> I like how Solomon said that to his son. But what happens in the whisperings is that confidence, that trust is betrayed. Something is said that should never be told to another person. This is in confidence between friends, in confidence between spouses, in confidence in this relationship. And for some reason, one person tells another. And it's betrayal. He just puts it as flat as that. It's a betrayal of the trust. It's a betrayal of the relationship. And so here's a useful warning. Stay away from people who do that sort of thing. Now that's, you know, kind of the obvious, you know, hit yourself in the forehead kind of thing. Uh, if you are aware of people who do that, and there's a real easy way to be aware of those kind of people, because what do they do? They gossip to you about other people, so you know who they are. Avoid. Avoid the person who talks like that. Stay away. Because you know what they're doing? They're talking about you to everybody else. We, we get so naive. Well, they're really our friend. They're really close to me. They say that about all those other people, but they would never say that about me. Well, just stay in it long enough, you'll find out that's exactly what they're doing. That's what Psalm is giving the warning. Son, don't make friends with those kind of people. That's just going to come back to bite you. Don't do that. Here's a, another picture. This proverb stated twice. The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. This is probably the essence of the problem. And I think it's interesting that not only does Solomon condemn the one who speaks the whispers and speaks the gossip. He now is going to condemn the people who listen. Notice how gossip is described. The words of the whisperer. It's like this delicious morsel, a tasty treat. It's something we want to have. It is so hard to not listen to information about other people that we shouldn't be listening to. That's what he just says. 
it just it just slides right in. It's it, it's just like a, a chocolate chip cookie. It's just oh, there's always room for one of those. You know, I, got, I can listen to that. that. That's what he just describes here. It's delicious to us, and so he's touching upon human nature here, and he's saying, recognize. This is the way we, we seem to be built. We want to listen to this kind of nonsense. Don't do it. Don't do it. Notice the next one. The evildoer gives heed to wicked lips. A liar listens eagerly to a spiteful tongue. Now there's some interesting descriptions in here. Yes, the one speaking is wicked, but that's not the thrust of the point. Yeah, he's saying things that he or she should not be saying. He's a whisperer. She's a gossip. There's not saying things that ought to be said. But notice, who's the evildoer? The one listening. And see, sometimes we want to justify ourselves out of the gossip arena that, oh, I'm not saying it. We're just the listeners, right? I'm not the one going around saying those kinds of things about people. I just like listening to it. Evildoer. Notice what he says. The, a liar listens. Now, we'd put the liar on the one who said it, right? The liar listens. It's interesting. And so Solomon warning his son, don't say it and don't listen to it. And it's far past time for us to quit being so innocent about, well, you know, they just started talking about it and I didn't know what to say. You know, they just started talking about so and so and, you know, what am I supposed to do? Well, Solomon says you better do something because you're an evildoer if you keep listening. You tell them, stop. You walk away. You don't listen. Change the subject. You know what's a real good thing to throw off? Is start talking really nicely about the person that they're really trying to condemn. <laughs> That's always a kick. <laughs> oh, well, I really like that person. They've been so nice to me and so kind. And they just start to look at you like, well, this isn't any fun. <laughs> You can do a lot of things to disrupt gossip and whispering. And so the listener is just as much condemned. And how, I mean, how many times have parents and wise people said, you know, gossip wouldn't happen if there wasn't a listener? That's what Solomon's telling us. If there was no one to hear these damaging things, there would be no purpose to say it. It's no fun to say it to a wall. It's fun to tell other people. It won't be fun for them to tell us if every time they tell us, we tell them to stop it and start giving blessings to the person they're trying to bring down. Don't quit talking to you real fast. Don't be involved in it. Do not be the evildoer who participates in these kind of activities. Think about it this way. And it's hard to utterly define in a clean box that we can have the ultimate filter. But we often want to know, well, exactly what is gossip? So I will do my best one-sentence definition of it. <laughs> and I'm sure there's could be, you know, I could do a whole thing about trying to explain it exactly. Here's what it looks like. Here's what it is. But if what we are speaking is not useful to the person, is not beneficial to the person, and is not something you would want them to hear, it's gossip. If it's not useful not beneficial, and you wouldn't want them to hear it, if any of those conditions are met, not all of them, any of them, so is not useful or is not beneficial or is not something you want them to hear, you better not say it. 
and you better not listen to it. So how do we control the tongue? Solomon then spends quite a bit of time talking about what to do. Two things not to do. Do not lie. Do not be a whisperer. How to have a godly tongue. What can we do to improve our speaking toward one another, to improve our relationships that are so often destroyed? First thing that Solomon points out is speak less. And I think that's kind of an interesting proverb that he's going to show us here. But he's going to tell us that less talking gets us in less trouble. And I think we all know that. When we step back and we're not involved in it, we realize, you know, if I would have just been quiet, I wouldn't have got myself in so much trouble in the first place. And that's what Solomon says. He who guards his mouth and his tongue guards his soul from trouble. You want less trouble in life? Zip up the mouth. That's what he just said. Son, you don't want to have a lot of problems? You want to make things a little bit easier for yourself? Guard your tongue. Guard your mouth. Lock it down. Don't speak so much. In a multitude of words, sin is not lacking. That's a great one. But he who restrains his lips is wise. Proverbs 10, 19. In a multitude of words, you'll find sin. Just keep on talking and your foot will get in your mouth. Well, we know that. You just keep going and eventually you stick it in there. So don't talk so much. Speak less. I think that's interesting. Solomon tells us, restrain the lips. Bring it under control. You know, we don't have to say everything we think. Now, that might be a newsflash. (laughs) We don't have to say everything we think. And I don't know why that's a hard concept, but it seems like that's the way we feel like we, you know, whatever passes through the ears, right on out. No, restrain the tongue, speak less. There's all sorts of thoughts we're going to have that we shouldn't be saying. There's all sorts of things that jump into the brain that have no purpose, no value, are useless words that are not beneficial, do not bring grace to the hearer, as Ephesians chapter 5 speaks of, and we need to just not say. And we need to think before we speak. Now, that seems obvious, right? But Solomon said it. Do you see a man who's hasty in his words? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Proverbs 29, 20. That's interesting because I hope over the past couple months of looking at the Proverbs, you've seen there's no hope for a fool, is there? (laughs) The fool has been thrown out, run over, and grind to a pulp by Solomon. He just said the fool is useless, worthless, don't be around them, avoid them. The fool is out of their mind. And then he just says, you know, there's more hope for a fool than for a person who will not think first before they speak. Hasty in words. Things just roll right off the tongue. Whatever passes between the ears, right on out. Think about it first. Put a filter on what we're about to say. Is this something that needs to be said? Is this something that's beneficial? Something useful? Something to bring bring grace to the hearer? I love how Paul uses that. If we only said things that brought grace to the hearer, I think the majority of our conversations would be silent. We would just stare there and look at each other. Only words that bring grace to the ear. Man, that that cuts down on a lot of talk, doesn't it? Only useful words. Think first. And listen before you speak. 
I think that's just as important. Speak less. When you're about to open your mouth, think first. And then listen much. Proverbs 18.13 The one who gives an answer before he listens. This is foolishness and a disgrace for him. So often we start talking before we even know what we're talking about. <laughs> we just think we've got the answer to something before we've heard the whole matter. Uh, we, we, we've just got it all figured out and we just jump in on something and we've got all the answers and, and little do we know that we're not talking about anything that's right. We just jump right on in there. How many times have we done that? We, no, we think we're talking about something. No, somebody look at you funny like, well, that's not what we were talking about. And we go, oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, uh, my bad. <laughs> and we look like a fool. And it can be small, just, you know, ins and ins and things like that. But serious situations where we're talking and we don't know what we're talking about. We're not fully understanding the situation. We're not understanding the difficulty of the circumstance. And we just spout off words about somebody's condition, somebody's state, and we don't know anything about it. We're just talking to talk. Listen before speaking. A couple of things Solomon says about exactly what to speak. We control the tongue, speak less, think first, listen first. What do we speak? Solomon says fitting words are things that we need to speak. This is interesting. This must have, as I read this, this has to have greater value back then as to, to, to me now. But, you know, I, I'd change this proverb. I'll tell you, I haven't changed it just a minute. Proverbs 25, 11. A word spoken at the right time is like golden apples on a silver tray. I'm assuming that's beautiful. I, I would say it's like you know unwrapped Snickers on a golden tray or something like that. You know, it's, it's good. <laughs> but the idea is to be able to speak something at the right moment, at the right time, the right words. That is a thing of beauty. The ability to say the right thing at the right time. That's a thing of beauty. Boy, how often do we kick ourselves? Boy, if I could have thought of that right then. You know, it's like three weeks later. You know, <laughs> if I could have thought about that right then. Well, the right words at the right time. Beautiful. A man finds joy in giving an apt reply. And how good is a timely word? Proverbs 15, 23. You and I need to work on building wisdom and character so that we can say the right thing at the right time. And notice what he's saying. How good that is. There is an inner joy that exists to be able to say the right thing at the right moment. And he's not talking about wit and sarcasm. Boy, you gave him a real zinger at the right minute at the right time. That's not the point. But somebody who's hurt and crushed to be able to give them the right words at the right time. Somebody who's going through trial and trauma, the right words at the right time. Somebody who's rejoicing in good news, the right words at the right time. There is great joy in being able to do that. Somebody who needs your help and counsel, the right words at the right time. Is that not the failure of Job's three friends? Wrong words at the wrong time for the whole book. And God condemned them for that. It is our responsibility to have the right words at the right time. Fitting, useful, beneficial words, not at any time. Notice the importance is on the timeliness of this word. To have the wisdom and spirituality not only to know what to say, but when it's the right time to say it. And you and I have to practice 
saying the right words at the right time. We'll see in just a moment how we can be better at that. We need fitting words. We need pleasant words. Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Proverbs 16.24. Same idea. Right words at the right time. Look at the healing it brings. There's your Snickers right there. There's your, there's your honeycomb. Yeah, it, 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 it's how sweet it is to be able to hear those words at the right time, how useful those words are. It brings sweetness to, to the soul, healing to the bones. Here's a picture that you're able to lift somebody up spiritually, emotionally, and by doing that, that helps people even physically. The value and power behind a timely word. And notice that Solomon says this a couple of times to help us understand the value of that. The tongue that brings healing is a tree of life, but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. 15.4 Our tongues are in one of two camps. Healing, tree of life to people. Deceitful, crushing their spirits. There's no middle ground. Either the tongue helps somebody or it hurts somebody. Either it brings grace to the hearer and is useful or it tears them down and harms them. And the tongue, this little thing, has the power behind all of that. That's what's so fascinating. You know, we, you know, we could, you know money brings healing and tree of life. You know, uh, uh, a great inheritance. You know, we want to fill in all sorts of things that we think are so valuable. And what Solomon says is, you know what's really valuable in life? Somebody who's there for you to say the right thing at the right time. The other stuff doesn't help you. You don't go hug your car when something bad happens. You know, oh, at least I got my car. No, nobody cares about that. In trauma, trial, and suffering, things don't matter. People do. And somebody who can help and say the right thing at the right time, that brings healing. The wrong people hurt. I love Job 16. Miserable comforters are you all. <laughs> Job had just had it halfway through that book. Those friends had just laid on him and he just finally said, you know what? You guys really stink in the words that you say. You're not giving me any help. Crushing the spirit. Making matters worse. Was Job's life not difficult enough at that moment that you needed three people throwing stones and kicking him while he's down? Say something useful. It's easy to pile on other people when things are bad. Say something helpful. 1821. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Two choices. What will you do with your tongue? The power of life and the power of death. Very strong language. You have the ability to bring healing and life to people, to lift them up and encourage them, to make them better people. And with the same tongue, you have the power to crush their spirit, demoralize them, and completely ruin their emotional and spiritual state. It's our choice. A wise man's heart guides his mouth and his lips promote instruction. How do we get fitting words? How do we get pleasant words? It comes from the heart. 
if you and I have a difficulty speaking the right words at the right time, if you and I have a difficulty of bringing healing and life to other people when we speak, the problem is deeper than the brain and not being fast enough. So the problem is the heart. The wise man's heart guides his mouth. There's a heart problem. If we want to tear people down, speak slanderously of others, destroy reputations, whisper behind their backs, let me tell you, there is something dark and black in our hearts. That's what Solomon just said. There's something really ugly inside that causes us to want to bring that kind of devastation to other people. Let us not look at our tongue real flippantly. Oh, well, you know, everybody does it. Everybody gossips. Everybody says this or that or whatever. Watch yourself. There is a heart problem. If we are not bringing grace to the hearer, if we are not saying useful, uplifting things toward one another. Finally, reproving words. Fitting words, pleasant words, but we also are going to have to help each other go down the right road. You have to tell each other, you know, I, I've been down that road before. I highly recommend you don't do that. Or you're not doing things that are found in the scriptures. You're not doing things that are godly and wholesome. You need to change. Like an earring of gold or an ornament of fine gold is a wise man's rebuke to a listening ear. Here you have the wise man, right words at the right time. Notice that. Right words at the right time. But there's another thing that's required. Listening ear. For all of our right words at the right time, they aren't going to matter if the other person's not listening. You and I need to listen to right words at the right time. You and I need to be willing to listen to correction, to a rebuke, to reproof, to that encouragement, to be placed in the right direction. We need to hear that. And so often we defend ourselves. I have this, that, you know, it's just an immediate defense mechanism. You know, well, you know, here's the reason. That, don't do that. Just listen. Listen. Listen to the whole matter. So we start at the very beginning. Speak less. Listen more. Listen. And guess what? It'll be like earrings of gold, ornaments of fine gold. He who rebukes a man will find more favor afterward than he who flatters with his tongue. It's always easy to say, oh, you're doing great. It's a tremendous challenge to be the one of integrity and righteousness to tell somebody at the right time with the right words, you know, I think you need to do such and such. I don't think your direction is good. Your decisions, I believe, are not good. You need to listen to what I'm telling you. And may we underline that the words say afterward, (laughs) you probably will not find favor at that very moment when you express the right words at the right time of here's what you need to do. You will probably not get, oh, thank you. You will probably get a little bit of resistance, but recognize what he says there. Afterward, there will be favor there. You will be appreciated for those right words at the right time to be able to speak those wise words. As we wrap up, some quick things for you to take home with you. First, mean what you say and follow through. This is really important. The psalmist telling his son, mean what you say. When you say it, you better mean it, and you better follow through with the things you say. Otherwise, we have lying lips and we're an abomination to the Lord. Gossip causes strife and destroys relationships. No faster way to destroy a friendship, destroy a marriage, is reveal things that ought not ever be revealed. 
to reveal things that were told to you in confidence, that were told in a friendship relationship level, to tell other people about things that you saw so-and-so do or say, destroy the relationship immediately. And you and I need to stop listening. Somebody says it, don't listen. Turn the conversation around. Heap blessings upon that person. Tell that person to stop speaking those things. Do not listen. Otherwise, we are just as much an evildoer. Be thoughtful and slow to speak. Slow down the process. We're not in a hurry to get more words in a conversation because at the end we'll all add them up and see who said more words first. Just slow down. Think about what you have to say. Be calculated. You know, we kind of appreciate that. It's so rare. Somebody who's kind of slow and thoughtful in their speech, you kind of actually step back and go, wow, they're really calculated in their words. We can be that. Slow down. Think about your words. And then work on your heart so that you can be able to speak the right words at the right time. How valuable that is. And you want to be that person. How useful that is to be able to help your friends, help your brethren, to be able to say the fitting word at that just right moment. That's a person of wisdom. And say those great words. We all want to be that. And we can be that if we will work at it. And so let's look into our hearts. If we are engaging in some of the activities that we've discussed this morning that we ought not to be engaging in, look deep into the heart and realize there's a problem down in there. Something needs to be ripped out of there. There's something wrong. There's some sort of malice. There's some sort of evil. There's something bad in there that causes us to want to speak things about other people that we ought not say. Time to reach down in there and rip that thing out. And start thinking about the positive things about other people. You and I are going to make blunders. We're going to say things we ought not say. We're going to do things that we ought not do. We're going to make mistakes. We should want to be so concerned and care about that person that we're not going to hang them on it for the rest of their life. Do you believe what that guy said? <laughs> I always feel like, as I did this today, that, well, I'm in a difficult position because I've got lots of words I have to say. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> going to say the wrong thing sometimes. But we're working on saying the right thing at the right time, having the wisdom to speak properly and seeking out the best interests of every person here and every person that we come in contact with. So think about these things as we leave this morning. Pull your song books out. We're going to sing a song with our tongues. We are going to encourage you to come to Jesus Christ before it is too late. This song is an encouragement inviting you to get to know Jesus while you can, an opportunity to know him before it is too late, that you will realize that he loves you, is patiently hoping and enduring that you will come to him with all of your heart. Won't you decide to follow Jesus Christ this very moment before it's too late? Turn away from the evil. Turn away from the malice. Let go of the sinfulness. You're not finding any pleasure there. Let those things go. Submit to Jesus Christ. Be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Be washed in the power of the blood of the Lamb. Won't you do that today? Serve Him with all of your heart and speak useful things from this day forward. Won't you come while we stand and while we sing?